0: Welcome to InXS, access all areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my InXS nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more.
1: Hello, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode seventy three. As I deaf and B with my introduction there and your eyes went back into your noggin.
0: <laughs> you did last week with your dongly thing. I did.
1: Hello, everybody. This is the podcast that dives deep into all things great about NXS. We've come off a Kirk Trifecta Factor trilogy. We're all excited about the next little chapter. We entered nineteen ninety two, B. How are you? How's your inexcess week? How are you going? Nineteen
0: ninety. Do yes, my in excess week has been large as always. So I'll tell you more about that later. How's yours?
1: Look great. Obviously, we put a bit of time into our sort of triple episodes there with Kirk, and I guess through editing and different processes there. but we we probably haven't sort of had face to face about a week and a half. I guess I so, feels a bit so weird. <laughs> the modern technology of editing and putting these shows together in different orders, I guess. Uh, Hello, I'm Hayden. How are you?
0: (laughs) Hello, Hayden. How How are you,
1: How was your birthday anyway? Because it was uh, just on a week ago today. Um, Do you feel sort of, you know, 44? Um...
0: (laughs) Cheeky. I did feel my age, actually, this week. It's been a bit heavy, but that's okay. I'm strong. I can deal with this. I am woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, out with the Premier of New South Wales, in with the new Diva Premier in town, okay, (laughs) Uh, the (laughs) B-D-V-A, but we look, we are very, very excited coming off the Kirk episodes. I think a lot of the the listeners and uh, some of those who, you know, downloaded the podcast early, I think uh, we're excited about that little sort of uh, early drop,
0: The early drop on Thursday. It did. It went really well. Oh my goodness. And what was funny though, last week as well, that you mentioned um, asking people how they listen to the show. So it's funny to think how people are listening to the show and I can't wait to tell I didn't on.
1: know whether we would get a clean sort of P, a G rating or a PG rating or how this would play up. But you've I'm gonna you pl- out. I'm going to call you all re- out.
0: I'm going to call you all out. have been
1: inundated with replies. So we were just a bit curious just how you we, – we know where you consume us in terms of the, the sites and platforms and things, be it Podbean, mm-hmm. Intune or whatever. But we used to be curious, how do you listen? Is it when you're walking? Is it when you're lying down in bed? Is it when you're eating? Is it in the car? Um, We just love to sort of share some of those experiences. Well, actually, how do you
0: you listen to it? In the car, isn't it? Keep it clean.
1: Let me delve deep. If I've got nothing at all that I can listen to on a radio or other podcasts or uh, I'm busy with work stuff and I'm driving somewhere and there's dead radio, nothing really interesting on that's probably when I'll put us on, or if I'm in bed, I can't get to sleep, and again, I have listened to everything else that fancies that I fancy. You I send yourself
0: to, to sleep. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised how often I put myself to sleep listening Aww. to myself. So for all the haters out there, absolutely, I I hate myself sometimes. Uh, so I can put myself to sleep listening to me. Never you, <laughs> only me.
0: Okay. All right. Well, but, yes.
1: <laughs> but I, I guess from the Kirk trifecta, uh, look, it was, it was you know, kudos to you with the editing you did. I know for some of the listeners who may not appreciate, you know, we did obviously speak to Kirk on a one-off and we did sort of piece it together in a three sort of uh, part episode sort of setup. And uh, we did edit a few little things around to give it some themes. I think there was the, the first week, which was the sort of the big dive deep into the career side. I think The second episode was very much about Kirk the man. And then part three was about the patrons, I think, really, wasn't it? About them getting their questions across. Great
0: questions.
1: Yeah, but kudos to you for the editing. I thought that was great, the way you did that.
0: No problem.
1: And I did, look, I did cringe when I listened to the first episode a little bit about myself. I was probably talking over Kirk a few few times here. Don't be
0: worrying about that, In the the
1: Stop, stop,
0: stop. stop. I'll talk over you. (laughs) Mate, we were excited. And if anybody has a problem with that, then go to number two and three.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Point taken. Look, a couple of quick little things just thought we would do is uh, you were telling me before we started recording today that Kirk has a little wine side business, a little side hustle. Like, The Kirkster revealed that he does love the stock market over 20, 30 years. He he has obviously an active interest in the media wars uh, agenda. But he has a third little focus uh, as well, which is a wine business. Can you you share that to the listeners? We might better give him uh, his wine a pump up.
0: I I really do. Yeah, it's a cute little uh, website. So it's very new. This is his first batch. I think he said there's only going to be like 200 bottles or something like that. So it's well worth going have a look. You do have to put it into your browser: www.kp.wine. Not wines, yep. Wine.com.au and you'll yep. pop up.
1: Okay. Well, we might put that out on our platform so people can mm-hmm. go straight to the link mm. and things as well. But uh, imagine Kirk sort of in the winery there. He's They're got all signed
0: sa- as well. Every bottle is signed. Imagine
1: Kirk at the winery there. He's he's, uh, he's in the big sort of uh, oak barrel there. He's jumping around with no shoes on. <laughs> and he's got the saxophone playing to never tear us apart. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what though? If Michael was alive, Michael would be doing that. Because he, he likes taking
2: his shoes off. And just before she drank it, she said, Still aware, take that girl!
1: shout. I don't want to do this in the intro, but uh, the newsletter of the week, I'm really enjoying reading. Uh, I know we gave a bit of a highlight last week, I think, to Anne-Marie Markham, one of our patrons. I really loved her little profile and information there. And again, one of the, the pleasures of becoming a patron is that uh, we do like to highlight your fandom and the newsletter is a great way, along with Zoom calls and prizes and competitions and access, that you can sort of, I guess, be part of the inner community that we, that we have. So, uh, shout out to Anne Marie, was a great sort of um, uh, profile, and shout out to the gang behind the scenes B, who put a lot of work into the newsletters, and they are
0: Foxy, Danielle, yes. and
1: Laurie. Yes. The triple threat, okay, our our, Ameri- <laughs> our triple threat from America. So and carrie Ann's the...
0: semi-retired at the moment, so I'm giving her lots of jobs at the moment <laughs> Right. So okay. thank you, Carrie-Anne.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Speaking of patrons, B, uh, this is a time we know, either welcome news new or existing. Over to you. I'd like
2: to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people
0: at least. Hello. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary patrons Nick Egan, Mock Opitz, Cameron Adams, and Mary Woods. Our patrons are Sudi, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie Ann, Danielle, Sarah Markram, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Lisa Urban, Lisa Galloway, Anne Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Vern, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Warren, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Ace, Bard, Genevieve, Ali, and Shelby. Welcome to the party.
1: Well, uh, we're excited today. We're going to get, well, not straight into the topic. We are going to give a little bit of a hint of our topic today by virtue of our long-forgotten beloved Michael Hutchins. So we're going to put a little audio on about the concert for life where Michael did turn up a couple of days out from the concert. Um, uh, I think it was a Channel 10 little news grab. So we're going to just actually uh, go back in 29 years ago nearly, or 29 and a half years ago and listen to Michael talk about... Coming on down to the Concert for Life, please, so take it away.
2: You've just seen In Excess play to 72,000 fans of London's Wembley Stadium. On Saturday, March twenty-eighth. In Excess will headline once and for all the Concert for Life in Sydney's Centennial Park. Michael Hutchins takes a look at the site for this huge outdoor event and makes the obvious comparison between their triumphant Wembley concert and the upcoming Centennial Park gig well firstly the, this is a one-off show this will probably never happened it's never happened it's the first gig that's happened here since federation right and we've got um we've got a, a, a probably i think the two most important charity events in in australia which is firstly the um aids care unit and the heart care unit from st Vincent's hospital um very very worthy uh, causes and we've got um Hopefully, we've got a sense of community. That's what we really want out of this: is a sense of Sydney being able to walk here, bus here, drive here, whatever, speedboat, parachute in, wherever you get here. And it's all—it's all for. It's, it's not so much coming to see us so much, or, or, or you know. But it's, it's a sense of community. It's a sense of people getting together, and it's not going to be Woodstock in the mud for 16 hours. It's going to be. It's going to be very exciting. People are, I think people are going to get off on each other in this one. You know, it's going to be great. We do know a little bit about the fact that you're in the studio doing some new stuff and talent. So well, you've broken uh, the recording session to do the show. Can mm. you be doing some new songs. Again? Well, actually, we're, we're, we'll be uh, we've been in Australia recording and we've been very happy with this new album. And we're going to uh, we've got a few little surprises um, here and there. We're going to throw up on the night. Uh, we're going to do. I think we'll. We're going to do as many songs as we can rehearse and, and get right for the night. And of course we'll be doing the other stuff, but I'd like to do all the albums if we could. We'll see how we get in rehearsals. And, uh, you know, and we're going to have to obviously we're going to sort of leave, leave uh, mixing in LA and we're going to come back here and start rehearsals for this. But, but uh, that's fine. It's going to be really worth it. Once and for all, concert for life, Centennial Park, March 28th be right here.
1: Get right here. Well, that's a little snippet of what's to come, I guess, uh, as Michael sort of hinted be. It's a real community, um, was a real community sort of objective uh, that was the concert. And, look, we are looking forward to diving deep on that and probably rewriting a little bit of history in an accurate sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, we do hope that uh, you stick around for our topic of the day today because we will go into that uh, in real detail. Mm -hmm. Other than that, what's it time for? It's time for the news. (laughs)
0: Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Access, All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news.
1: All right, B. Well, I feel like the news gets chunkier every week. So, uh, for the sake of interest and uh, getting to our topic, we're going to be punchy again today. In a non birthday week for you, after the celebration of 40 down to 32, the Greater Sits has uh, slightly dipped to 35, B. So, had a three slot dip in Australia. Okay. But you did remind me that our podcast has had a bit of a surge in Canada and we uh, have gone up 78 places to number 17. So we do want to give a shout out to our very on patrons. I think we have uh, Vern yes. uh, in Canada. Now, you've got a couple others there from yeah. our Canadian origins there.
0: I'd like to also say thank you and to thank you to your friends if they're downloading for you too. Um, so, yeah, Vern and Matey, yep. Sandrine and yep. Leon.
1: Fantastic. And uh, all of those people have been great patrons and great sort of contributors to the show, and uh, some have been on Zoom calls and things. Are uh, very excited about putting a, a, a Canada episode together. Uh, it is the next sort of country of origin we're going to be talking about because, you know, if you chat to the average Canadian, uh, they will let you know very quickly, Be they are not American. <laughs> uh, so we don't want to lump North America into Canada and the USA. We'd like mm-hmm. to give Canada its own show because excess have been very kind Sorry, I think Canada has been very kind in excess, and I think very. excess has been very kind to Canada. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that will be an episode that we look forward to putting up very soon. And um- Canada
0: has been very kind to us too.
1: Yes Also too This particular week uh, It has been very exciting In the sense that There was a massive Massive announcement That the InXS Dua Lipa song uh, Break My Heart Has had over a billion Streams be. Now You may be But I'm probably A little bit more On the old Sort of buy the CD And whatever there When I saw a billion Streams I was like Oh well done InXS have hit a billion Streams for their music Catalogue But then I read the article And was like One of their songs Sorry, Probably the Dua Lipa song mm. uh, Has had a billion streams So uh, I do know Andrew and the band were recognised with some sort of uh, awards for that, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it is something that's uh, akin to an Australian award, albeit from an international streaming platform. Okay. Congratulations! Uh, they'll hit, they'll hit the billion club, Woo-hoo! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love it. So- Absolutely. Um, so uh, there are a, a number of articles out there. A lot of you may have seen them. Just punch it into your Google browser and I'm sure they will pop up plentiful. Also too, a little bit of a celebration this week, a couple of little sort of birthdays and things like that. We've got uh, John Stevens, the one-time sort of vocalist with inaccess and also Noiseworks uh, founder, turns the big 60 this week. John put a lot of little sort of, uh, you know, uh, messages out Not only in response to you putting a happy birthday, but just also letting the world know he does turn 60. And uh, for those who don't know, John, probably about 10, 12 years ago, he was having, I think, breakfast in Bondi. And he got a call up from his doctor saying, oh, where are you? And he said, oh, I'm in Bondi. And he says, okay, I want you to get to a hospital. And he goes, oh, why? When can I do it later? He goes, no, I think you need to go now. Anyway, he had some uh, heart issues, and I think they needed to go in and do some open-heart surgery and put a, one of those sort of stent sort of uh, things in or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he had open-heart surgery. Uh, probably, well, he might have been 50 or like 48 at the time, but, yeah, it was a, it was a big operation, and uh, he was very lucky to have the timing and take the call because he was in, they reckon he was within a day or two of probably having a massive heart attack. Oh,
3: no. So oh, I think John's God. very...
1: Very appreciative of getting a second chance oh, we, in we life. We need to
0: find that doctor's name.
1: Yeah. Thank and him. Just, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of John, I guess he's got uh, a gig coming up in Tassie in just on four weeks with uh, November 14th. I think it's at the Odeon in in Hobart. Uh, but that's obviously happening. And then in March 22, there's a massive big concert series that happens each year out in New Zealand. Uh, it's in a place called Lincoln, which is in sort of the Canterbury sort of Southern Island, sort of shy area there, not far from Christchurch. But uh, it's called Selwyn Sounds. I think it's headlined by Jimmy Barnes this year. But John Stevens, I think, is second on the bill. And I'm not sure if it was cancelled last year with COVID, but it's definitely back on board this year uh, and is going to be sort of a massive gig uh, for the Kiwis well, and those you, who can get there.
0: While you're talking about Jimmy, he actually did, um, him and Jane did a lovely song for John. And it was all over Facebook. Did John you see Stevens? It? Yeah. Oh, no. it was so cute. We they go. are so cute together. Him and one Jane, degree of
1: separation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good
1: yeah. guys. Mm. Um, speaking of sort of birthdays and anniversaries, uh, I think the uh, well, we could put this into media wars, but we won't. We won't do it too much. We'll just we'll just out of out of uh, acknowledgement say happy anniversary to Kirk and Lane oh, uh, the yeah. other day. I think he called her eleven-time 11 world champion, but I think she's a seven-time. I think it might be eleven years of marriage. I 11,
0: think, yeah, he's getting—he probably had a few wines, maybe. You
1: <laughs> reckon? Yeah, well, uh, happy anniversary <laughs> to those. Um, mm-hmm. Also, two, a couple of little things. I think I forwarded a, a message there. I think in America on the TV show Jeopardy, uh, there was a song about you two. Uh, was that you that, that posted run? that? I posted it, but like a lot of things, I nicked. Really- I, I, I put it out on our platforms, but I nicked it from somewhere else. Um, oh. So in life, you've got to be a good stealer and a good repurposer. So uh, You're
0: impressing me lately, mate.
1: Oh, well. So, uh, <laughs> yes, for those who don't know the show Jeopardy, it was like uh, a song, which uh, U- U2's song was written about late singer, Mike Hutchins, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Stuck at a moment, you can't get out of. It. So I thought that mm-hmm. was quite cool. So we put mm-hmm. that out. Uh, now this turntable competition but I know the skateboard one from the inaccess website has gone off. Do you, want to, do you know much about the turntable competition Think about
0: Protect is that right?
1: I'll take your word on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But there is obviously a series of con- uh, well series of uh competitions being run quite regularly now. So we do uh, urge you know like a lot of uh, platforms get onto the NXS website because there are some great uh, competitions are being run regularly that uh, I think are awesome and, and really are creating a lot of fan engagement there mm. uh, amidst some of the new releases and we had the burn for you sort of re-release last week with a new 4K video yeah um, keep I, I just you know you know like I do I try to get on the website at least sort of three four times a week yeah. see any updates um, I don't think it's and- much of
0: a competition I think you're just submitting yourself your details and then you'll be like a pull out your hat, pull out, pull out yeah. hat. Yeah. Um, before you finish the news. Cause I can yep. see that you're going, going full speed ahead here. Mm-hmm. Um, that blues fest, now that restrictions have been lifted, more people have been added to the list.
1: Is that the Byron Bay concert that's is. happening? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, so keep yeah. an eye out. Yeah. It's really weird like, that Byron Bay concert Bluesfest or whatever they're Generally, never has blues artists (laughs) Um, over the years. It's generally headlined by non-blues artists, you know, essentially. But there are a little bit of an undertone. But um, Mm -hmm. do you know much about it? I normally it's around Easter time, isn't it, Bee? I know it's a
0: big camping festival, and it's very family-oriented. Up in yeah. just outside Byron, more towards Bangalore. And yeah. yeah, and I've had friends come and stay with me on the way up to it as well. And they go religiously every year yeah. and they absolutely love it. So, a well, little
1: bit of an inexist anecdote there. That's mm. where John Farris played with Ben Harper many years ago. I think they did uh, well, a, a live. Ben's playing. Yeah. Never Tear Us Apart. So, hmm. you never and know. John, John Butler, mate, <gasps> no, John oh, Farris God. played drums with uh, Ben Harper that night. Yeah. When he sung Never Tear Apart. So John, being a local Byron guy, he, who knows, he may pop down again and mm. he may may be able to see John and snare him for an interview with us.
0: Do you think John might have a room for me and I can uh, go up and stay? Do you reckon? I don't think just, so. There's a
1: double entendre in that, <laughs> but I'm not going to go there. Um, but uh, that's the news for the week.
2: Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also, want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. This is Ella from in the Netherlands.
0: You're listening to Inexcess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week.
2: On Saturday, March 28th, the dedicated team at St. Vincent's will be involved in yet another major operation. The concert for life in Sydney's Centennial Park is gonna be awesome. Sometimes music is the best medicine.
1: All right. And well, as Michael mentioned earlier, Concert for Life, big concert at Centennial Park, 28th of March, 1992. This, uh, I guess, uh, has both infamy and it has um, positivity attached to it. And we're going to delve deep into this particular concert, this particular day. Um, everything about it because it's something that represented a a turning point for in excess in Australia you know the media's attitude towards them Um, I always look at their career a little bit about you know well in terms of pre-concert for life and post-concert for life it did have a a very uh, particular uh, effect on the band's uh, media standing in australia not necessarily about the fans per se but probably from the media's point of view so i thought b what we could do a little bit is just give a few little sort of facts about the concert itself and setting it up before i do so um do you have a memory about this concert probably back in your day in the uk or was it something you learned a bit more out about when you got to australia and becoming more of a fan again
0: Yes, the second part. Yeah, no, I didn't know anything about it when I was in England. Only recently, I would say in the last like five years, that I would know more about this concert. So I'm quite looking forward to hearing you. I'm going to sit back and listen.
1: No, no problems. Well, look, I hope we can make as interactive as we can. But um, um, just, I guess, you know, in a bit of a sad backdrop, I mean, the legacy and the purpose of the concert was uh, really born out of Uh, a really horrible situation where uh, a fine sort of medical sort of doctor called uh, uh, Victor Chang, who I think was a Hong Kong born, I think he had one Australian parent, he was sort of raised here predominantly, but he unfortunately was murdered in 1991. It was one of these um, senseless sort of, you know, kidnapping type scenarios. And unfortunately, you know, all the great work he did, you know, was uh, was under some sort of jeopardy. And um, he was murdered in 1991. Now he used to work a lot with sort of, you know, AIDS and heart research and um, lots of programs at uh, St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. Okay. And um, I think, you know, the backdrop of, uh, of outrage and all the issues associated with his passing was really felt by the broader Australian community and even people internationally because, you know, people were coming to Australia to get certain operations and have certain medical techniques undertaken by uh, Mr. Chang and it was a really, really sort of sad, senseless um, sort of murder. Sorry, where uh, he was
0: kidnapped.
1: Yeah, I believe it's sort of it was a real botch sort of situation. And you know, he he was I think he was kidnapped and ultimately, you know, he was he was murdered and a whole bunch of things there. And oh, look, people can probably so go sad. into Wiki and sort of research mm-hmm. a little bit more. I, I did see a DOCO, you know, a couple of years ago on it, but um, yeah, it's, you know, it's like a lot of those docos, you try to forget them. <laughs> mm. um, but, you know, out, out of tragedy, I guess some semblance of positivity was, was, was aimed to be done by, um, I think, the band in the sense that they wanted to, you know, raise some money, you know, and yeah. create a really good cause. I mean, Sydney was their hometown. Some six, eight months earlier, you know, the band just from a, a time time perspective had done Wembley, had finished up the X Factor, X Factor Tours, um, they were literally in Sydney, as as uh, we've discussed, recording uh, "Welcome to Wherever You Are" uh, with with Mark and Niven, and and I guess Andrew and Michael, particularly putting a lot of time into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were about to head back overseas and do some mixing and things, but they it, it really was sort of born out and came from sort of I guess uh, concept or idea to execution uh, in terms of the concert really, really quickly. And look, the concert ultimately went ahead on the 28th of March at Centennial Park. The interesting thing about this was I think from my memory and understanding was the first ever time that a concert had even been put on there. So there were certain caveats and restrictions that could occur. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the ones, be that uh, I'm sure you would have probably been in outrage with yourself was that it was an alcohol-free event.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good.
1: So, um, <laughs> and look, I think with the park there itself and everything around there, you know, you could understand that mm. um, with the garden, the floor, they were concerned about sort of our, yeah. uh, issues with that. So um, that was sort of a bit of a backdrop there. As we heard from Michael earlier through our uh, little sort of uh, snippet, um, he really wanted to make it a community affair where people could walk on down from the city, you mm-hmm. know, you know, bike on in, parachute in, mm-hmm. come together as a community on 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 the backdrop of a good cause and yeah. I guess, through, you know, Chris Murphy, their manager, and through, I guess, putting things together. Uh, I know Kirk, you know, was very keen uh, for the band to sort of duplicate something spectacular, uh, a bit like Wembley to a degree, because uh, it had been sort of roughly around two years since In Excess had played in Australia. And Mm -hmm. if you actually think about, you know, a timeline, uh, Mm -hmm. the band were 12 years old. So to take away two years from not playing in their homeland, it was Mm -hmm. quite, you know, a a fair timeframe. Yeah. And... Look, the band had come off, you know, Kick, uh, which went gone through the charts. they come off X, that it was uh, a strong follow-up, you know, both, you know, critically and commercially. They had the the Live Baby Live album. I guess, you know, had uh, yeah, a few months earlier had some question marks on it by Molly Meldrum on Hey Hey It's Saturday, uh, who was sort of our rock guru critic. But, look, across the board, there was a lot of goodwill yeah. uh, for the band. I think that same month of March 92, they'd picked up Best Life Band at the Arias where we spoke to, uh, Kirk the other week about Spinal Tap being there to give the yeah. award out, or maybe <laughs> Tim as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the end of March 92, it was probably this uh, unique occasion where they could uh, literally get a, a a gig together. To make it a really sort of special occasion, they did actually bring on a, a number of Australian acts to come and support, and we'll go through those in a moment. The crowd size is very big. Going back through some old articles and and information, um uh, some say it's 62,000, some say it was up to 100,000. I, I heard somewhere 72.
0: Huh? I heard 72. Well, that, which, sounds which like
1: the Wemble- pretty- that sounds like the Wembley one. I know, but, uh, but I'm sure
0: I've heard someone else say that as well.
1: Yeah, my my memory of the time was around sort of 75 in terms of some okay. sort of accuracy at the time. but. Sixty-two to hundred is the uh, the standard deviation, I guess, through uh, various articles. But look, it was a huge event. I, I, I guess you know
0: this is the first time I'm hearing that this was an in excess concert. So what you're saying is this is like another Wembley, but for a better cause, and Australian, and bringing in acts to come in with them.
1: Yeah, look, I think that the core focus was raising money. Yeah, look, I think the goal, first and foremost, was let's let's raise money for a worthwhile cause and then let's create an event of significance that could be, you know, maybe like a Wembley thing, but, you know, make it a big, big sort of uh, event where Australian acts all come together and mm. the bigger the event is, the more money they can raise. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, there were some sort of, uh, you know, trimmings and things that added to the gig, but... You know, from a, a lighting perspective and all that sort of stuff, there when you see it and stuff like that, it was not as big as Wembley with all the the mod cons of lighting that Wembley had. Uh, when you do see a lot of the footage and some people go onto YouTube, it really pretty much Michael up on stage in the white jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, I think he came out He's in Elvis Elvis, Elvis yeah. sort of <laughs> Elvis suit and things, and it was pretty sort of straight, direct, sort of you know rock you know type thing you know to the audience. But um, you know, as I said, the, the ultimate thing was let's put on a great show, something memorable. Uh, and something can raise, you know, really valuable money for what was a, a needed cause at the time. sad, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Our vows in this town like me All loves That you'll define
1: A little bit of uh, story insertion. Uh, I was at uni at the time and had just got back to, you know, literally my third year at uni and I had a couple of good mates that I had met early in the year who were in excess fans at uni and they were going up on the train uh, to Sydney back in those days, be no Virgin airlines flights would have been about 800 bucks, uh, which Ooh. was a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple of my mates tried to get me to go up, but I, I literally was broke. I had no money, yeah. so I couldn't afford to go, but they did kindly bring me back a concert for life t-shirt. Uh, that was uh, a size or two, too small, but uh, <laughs> you know, I hung it up in my room. So uh, that's my sort of uh, sort of memory at the time. But um they did, just uh, for those who are really aficionados, they did do two warm-up gigs earlier that week. I think one of them was at the Paddington RSL or one of the, the pubs and things, where they got out and played 13 or 14 songs. So if you go to uh, setlist FM uh, and Punch in excess 1992, you will see a couple of warm-up gigs they did. So imagine being uh, in Sydney that week, B and getting oh, access to those shows.
0: Great, yeah. Uh, which would have been it- good. Carmen missed out on going as well, didn't
1: she? Yeah, I, I think rightly. that was something she mm. she really regretted, I think. I bet Glenn um, and
0: Paul were there, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm. I'm sure. <laughs> In terms of uh, support bands, I'll just read through this quite quickly. Some of these actually will ring a bell from prior podcasts, but uh, mm-hmm. Yothu Yindi. Yep. It was an Indigenous band who had a big hit at the time called Treaty, which was sort of a, a dance sort of sort of remix track. I think it had a co-write by Paul Kelly and, and Peter Garrett from Midnight Oil, but it was a very big worldwide dance at the time. Uh, Jenny Morris, who uh, we all know and love and things like that, mm-hmm. was there. Uh, the Baby Animals, uh, Susie DiMarchi did actually go on to sing within excess on a couple of concert occasions.
3: Okay,
1: uh, Troy Newman, uh, Richard Clapton Who uh, B You've been working uh, The phones recently with uh, a, a really good dance band Called Def uh, Deaf FX um, great A bit front, like KLF, front woman, Whatever they're called <laughs> Oh A great front woman I think her name is Fiona Horn. She uh, She's a self-promoted uh, Or proclaimed Witch uh, oh, a good witch. Yeah, but good witch. Uh, but she's an author and she she had some really good sort of industrial-type techno rock dance things going. I had about three or four of their EPs. Huh? There was Diesel, as in Johnny Diesel. There was Kate Sobrano, uh, Ratcat, who uh, played with excess before and were under, mm-hmm. I think, Chris Murphy's label, uh, and Crowded House, who... <laughs> In 92, just to put in perspective, probably had their biggest album of their career in the UK, yeah. particularly with Woodface. Yeah. And had done really, really well and was starting to make some uh, inroads back in America where mm-hmm. uh, they had it on their debut album a few years earlier.
0: Well, their sound very much was really going towards the grungy era as well, wasn't it? crowded House. House. Yeah, they got that no. sort of mellow. Cut. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Quite- grunge. Well, you know what I mean—just like laid-back, sort of grunge, <laughs> not in your in-your-face grunge.
1: They were as far from grunge as Nickelback were from class.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because being in England, I would have classed them coming in from the grunge era for us.
1: Well, Crowdhouse—I mean, Crowdhouse would be. I suppose more... because
0: of the album being so big
1: in Crowded 92. Crowdhouse were more of your your Beatles-esque, uh, uh, sorry, three and a half-minute pop song band. they were probably more your. Your wet, wet, wet. Uh, your Elvis Costello. It, it was, you know, it was more uh, three, four minute harmony type, you know, music and stuff like that. So, but the part that era was grunge, but mm-hmm. they probably had something slightly sort of different there. But anyway, moving along. Uh, Let's not there's, argue <laughs> Look, there's, of, there's, there's not a lot of video footage of the concert There is some video footage you'll see um, There's quite a lot of audio stuff on YouTube and things I think there's about 56 to 60 minutes there You can go onto sort of uh, YouTube and listen to certain tracks and things They did bring out uh, a big orchestra for two of the last songs So I thought what we might do, be is go through just the set list for a moment Just so uh, those who weren't there could actually sort of almost picture themselves being there. So from a set list point of view, mm-hmm. be they actually started the concert off with Heaven Sent, which was to go on and be the first single five, six months later. So pretty audacious thing to start off a big concert with a song people haven't heard before. And that was on the radio uh, and released about five months later. So... Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, that was what they started off with. Uh, they went into New Sensation as number two, uh, Guns in the Sky three, I Send a Message four, great version of the Stairs five, uh, Mystify six, Bitter Tears seven. Uh, they then debuted a new song, Taste It uh, eight, Need You Tonight nine. Obviously followed by Mediate ten, uh, Disappear eleven, another new song at the time. All Around uh, twelve. Uh, Suicide Blonde 13, What You Need 14, Kick 15, Devil Inside 16. They've then gone to the encore and they've actually come out from memory with I think it's the the uh, New South Wales or Sydney Symphonic uh, Orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, which they'd used I think probably on the By My Side clip a few years earlier uh, or maybe a year or two earlier. They uh, came out and played the last two songs which were never tear us apart and Baby Don't Cry. Now, uh, memory and anecdotes at the time, it's a bit hard to, to acquire this knowledge, but I believe a lot of the sport acts and everybody came out on the end for Baby Don't Cry. Right. Uh, but the orchestra did come out for those two songs as well. So and No Don't listen- Change. No Don't Change, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was interesting because again, um, it's funny, you know, Kirk and Tim and all their memories about oh, Don't Change gets played a lot and at the end of every concert. You'd actually, not be surprised the big has well. <laughs> you'd be surprised how often it's not been played live. Mm. Um, in, in fact, off the if you break down the 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 concert, they played 18 songs, uh, eight off kick, four off welcome, four off x, one off listen like thieves, one off the swing. So they didn't play original sin, they didn't play uh, uh, listen like thieves, they didn't play kiss the dirt, they didn't yeah. play don't chain. Mm. Um, but when, when you think about an event like this, it probably started at midday and finished at 10 at night. So generally speaking, this type of event, they probably weren't going to play 24, 25 songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they played 18, uh, which is on the backdrop of everybody else playing. So, yeah, that, that's uh, that's the set list. Any other sort of thoughts on the set list? Version? I just I mean, thought
0: it was quite a big set list, set list saying sex list, <laughs> <laughs> saying that, you know, there were so many other bands playing as well. That's quite a yeah, well, very I mean, lucky people to listen I'm to
1: all of those. In excess, if you looked at it, concerts would play anywhere between generally 22 to 24, 25 songs, mm. often most nights. And I guess this, as I said, being a um, an all-day affair, they they probably had, you know, time restrictions as well in terms of the park and curfews. And there were probably, you know, like a lot of these gigs, there are extenuating factors as to how long you can play. I guess with this particular sort of uh, sort of setup, there, you know, a lot of the fans probably got what they want. But I think what I looked at, too, so playing four new songs... Sort of excited because it just meant the band also weren't sort of pushing out just the same material. I, I think Michael, as he said on that little uh, little snippet early, wanted to play the whole album, but they had to sort of rehearse the songs and whatever there. So they came up with, you know, the, the four there, which was Heaven Sent, uh, Taste It, All Around, and, and Baby Don't Cry. And um, I think for those who heard Baby Don't Cry that way, it's probably the most purest version that the band would have ever played, having that orchestra there wasn't a song that got played a huge amount on subsequent tours uh, from my memory but I think the fans there that day probably got to hear Baby Don't Cry in its most purest form and at the end of the gig and Mm. uh, that itself would you know I haven't unearthed any footage or audio from that if anyone has some uh, we do welcome uh, you send it in.
2: When it down and confused, nothing seems right And it's you who decides who's going to make it right Don't cry, baby Baby,
1: don't cry So, look, that, that takes us sort of to sort of, you know, the band there. Any sort of questions would that so far be? Can I
0: bring it down to my level? Yeah. I'm sure he ripped his pants, didn't he, on this concert?
1: <laughs> well, that is your level, uh, and that is the level of detail that you have. Uh, he may have. I don't it's know. Bit,
0: yeah, I've got a feeling they're a bit tight. And I Can we ask Mr.
1: Gidinski-Jolly if, he, I'll if that's the ask. case? i have to
0: ask. I'm just trying to Google it and it's not coming up with it, but I sure have heard that he ripped those white pants. <laughs>
1: do now is probably just turn the attention a little bit to the fallout mm. so within With the
0: sad you know, part, isn't it
1: yeah well I think in the first sort of three four five days this concert was you know well received and yeah media you know like was celebrating a lot of different stuff there but not before too long there was a fallout and um I do remember at the time and you know, I have sort of backed up a few little fact checks on this and spoken to a couple of people, but there was a bit of a fallout between sort of Crowded House, their management, I think Chris Murphy and INXS's management, and um, I think their manager particularly from their side might have, you know, spoken to the press and things. What's and,
0: his name?
1: Uh, look, that doesn't really matter. I don't yeah, really it care, does, but, does to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the real one of, one of the jibes that came about was, and, and this is where when you try to do something noble for a charity, you know, certainly people come, you know, start you know, gunning for you. But it was this sort of sense that, um, you know, all these lavish expenses and limos and uh, segregation of in excess to the other bands and all these sort of extra costs and the orchestra coming in were, were a bloated expense that was going to affect the charity. Now, that wasn't necessarily coming from, you know, the credit house manager, but what the crowdhouse house manager, I think, was going on about was... You know, maybe the bands were segregated and, you know, uh, you know, there was this sort of us versus them and NXS were sort of, you know, sort of, uh, you know, shoehorned away from everybody else and whatever. But look, you know, my understanding from this sort of stuff there is that, you know, in Australia particularly, we don't have a star system here. We, we probably have more of a tall poppy syndrome here. NXS were, you know, literally at the top of their game. You know, they were probably at that point in the top three bands in the world. Um, they probably deserve some sort of element of uh, of prestige or element of ranking or whatever. I mean, they were putting the whole thing together. You know, probably, you know, Chris, you know, who was the guy that insulated the band from lots of things, uh, probably on the day did have some sort of (laughs) argy-bargy with the crowdhouse management. There probably was stuff going between them. Uh, If we think back to the Australian May tour, uh, the same thing happened with the Mentalist Anything uh, manager. So I tend to think that it might have just been egos from the managements between, you know, the two groups versus, you know, really anything too deep-seated amongst the acts and stuff. I always felt over the journey sometimes that, you know, Chris probably shielded the band from lots of things that the band didn't necessarily you know, focus on and let Chris deal with them. And look, you know, i got to call a spade a spade. Sometimes Chris is, you know, you know, I think the quote I've heard a few times is he would dive for the band. Hmm. And I think when you take the ups with that approach as a management and you would dive for the band and you'd go to war for the band and all that sort of stuff, you know, that's intrinsically how they were able to go get global with such momentum, you know, uh, notwithstanding Inexus' talent. But there's a false side for that. There's a downside for that. And that is that you're going to piss people off. And in a place like Australia, where there is no sort of star system and you know people are ready to knock you off your block if you seemingly you know, get ahead of yourself, on that particular day, to me, it seemed like probably a battle of heads of management from one versus the other. And things got a bit out of hand and suddenly it's like, well, you know, why are they getting this versus us? And then suddenly, you know, someone leaks to the media and we all know in Australia and worldwide every media person loves a, a good yarn, even if the facts aren't quite the case.
0: They want something and, to bite onto and yell Well, young, that, yeah. that's
1: right. And, and one of the things that... Sensationalise uh, uh, it. That, you know... Well, it's these. not the band well, we know,
0: is it? The band that we've been like like when we talked to um the guy at the soup dragons, um, what was his lovely name? And Sean, yeah, you know, yeah. How, how humble um it was that Michael used to come backstage and talk to them, and there's other people that say that, you know, and then there's this. And this, this isn't the band. Like you say, this his no. management. Hey, can and I then just quickly been...
1: cut, cut in? There's a tweet gone out by mm. Kirk, Media Wars. I Talk just about,
0: saw that. Just,
1: <laughs> he put a tweet out, 11 times world champion up, wife, uh, happy anniversary. So yeah. The Kirkster, he, his ears are burning. He knows we're talking about him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, sorry, keep going. He told no, you a I was about just, it. Yeah.
0: Just saying that this this doesn't paint the same picture that we know of the band, uh, how humble they are and how um they are with like backstage and relaxed and talking to other bands. I mean, there's footage out there of them doing this. So why bring this into the forum yeah. for four media? Um yeah. I think but it's his, just
1: jealousy. His reality though. When we you yeah, look when you when you take the upside, you take the downside. And I mm. think you know, with Chris on this particular day. There's no doubt that, you know, whatever occurred between managements of two different bands, unfortunately what occurred, there was no placating, I think, of the circumstance. There was no smoothing out of things. And all that happened is that things started to leak out. People started to whinge. People started to complain. Next thing you know was like all these lavish expenses that in excess, I mean, I think Michael came down on his motorbike. There was these rumours about limos for all band members and things, the cost of the orchestra, all that sort of stuff. My take is this, if you're going to put on a show of some magical proportions, you're going to have one of the world's best bands at it, and you can you can grab the local Sydney orchestra to come and perform a, a crescendo of two massive hits or songs at the end. Yeah, and make it memorable. Make it memorable. Well, you know, the light show wasn't extravagant. All the trappings went extravagant. I don't see that as a huge thing. And if thing, it wasn't
0: for Chris in the first place, there wouldn't have been a bloody concert.
1: Sure. Sure, but here's the situation. As I said, this is part of the fallout, okay, et cetera there. When it started to hit the media, okay, and when it started to get into the papers and then there was all this sort of negative vibe and then suddenly the band were getting getting critiqued, it became a snowball. Chris's advice to the band was say nothing. Yeah. Say nothing, say nothing, say nothing. And it was the wrong advice Mm. because... Here's the point. Unfortunately, it's a little bit like, you know, this is pre-social media time. This would have gone berserk on all the platforms then. Mm -hmm. But back then it was going berserk through all the tabloids and things and stuff. And the media were looking for a story. And, you know, with six months ago or prior to that with the Live Baby Live stuff, there was this turning where, you know, let's just knock in excess down off a perch or two. And they were looking for fodder. They were looking for material. When it came into the charity side of things, you know, all, any charity you put together gets ordered and things like that, and we'll get to that in a moment. But the reality obviously was is that things started to get a little bit out of hand. I think that led to sort of Andrew moving to England. I think Michael sort of was sort of, you know, nomad anyway, but he sort of started to base himself more out of England. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, there was no band response really. I don't think even Chris had a response other than a sort of a terse line or two. And the thing was allowed to sort of fester. And the celebration of which, you know, the charity, and let's just go back to the original mission statement of the gig,
0: yeah.
1: was to raise money for Victor Chang.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that's all it was. It was it was literally to raise money for a hospital and for, for works. Now, I've actually got the audited accounts here and the actual numbers. So just so you're aware, B, the actual average price of the ticket to go to the concert was only $21. Yeah, it's not a lot. Now, yeah. Again, inflationary effects, or whatever it still was a very affordable price back mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. in those terms. The actual event itself generated 1 million eight hundred and twenty three thousand one hundred and ten dollars. Mm-hmm. It actually netted six hundred and eight thousand uh, dollars after expenses and things like that. Now you can imagine you know as I said, any business that can can have a 33 percent net return, After all costs is not a bad arrangement. So that's pure 608 grand net profit going to the charity. Uh, Could it have been 800,000, 900,000? It could have been. Maybe they could have just charged more money and got more revenue. Who knows? But I do know the hospital and the foundation were ecstatic with the results and sort of quoted that a great success in every respect. Yeah. And I think ultimately, you know, I'll have my biased opinions on some things, albeit, as I said, I'll probably put a job or two in about, you know, maybe Chris Murphy on the day and whatever. But ultimately, you know, who you're doing it for mm-hmm. probably should be the uh, judge jury on yeah. the concert. Uh, yes. So so the hospital never came out at all and had any problems. They were like, it was a great success in, in every yeah. respect. Hmm. Um, and, you know, $608,000 clear, you know, was, was donated. And, you know, the, none of the band and everyone got paid for the gig or whatever. Uh, etc everybody was on sort of you know pro bono just going there to do it voluntarily and Mm -hmm. I think you know those accounts and audits you know took a while to come through maybe they were only sort of released maybe six 12 months later so but by that point there'd been a bit of a groundswell of this negative media stuff and then when it came to sort of August that year five months later to release Welcome you know it was number two in Australia it was stuck behind Jesus Christ Superstar in the charts which was a sort of an album juggernaut at the time but you know Heaven Sent you know, uh, you know, well, they have Heaven's Sent, Baby Don't Cry, they, uh, tasted Never uh Not Enough Time, Double A Side, and then Beautiful Girl. They had five singles off the album. but They didn't get a top five hit off the album. I mean, I think they had a, a few top 15s and 20s and 30s, but it was definitely sort of this sort of commercial slide for, for them at the time. And yeah. There was not a lot of media for the album release in Australia, you know, whether it was Chris, shut up, shut up, shut up, don't say anything.
3: Mm. There
1: wasn't a lot of media onslaughts there. If anything, there was this sort of like, Oh, Grunge is in there. Oh, well, In Excess, you know, the Concert for Strife. You know, they've gone off to record and make this fantastic album, probably their best of their career, yet, you know, a lot of the lung- air out of the lungs have been taken out of the band, yeah. I think, through this issue. You know, I'd put it to you, B. I I would say that it took 20 years for the media-loving sort of public, so to To speak. To start loving them again. Yeah, I think Mm. this was quite a pivotal time and an unfair time for them, and I think they were unfairly chastised. Yeah. Yes. Could the band themselves say, shut up, Chris, we're going to get out in the front and do this? Yeah, they probably could have in hindsight. They may have. Well, no, they didn't. Oh, they They didn't. didn't. They didn't say much at all through what Chris had said. And I know that philosophy sometimes, like if you're in a a public space, if you go and try to fight City Hall, which is the media, it can get worse. Mm. So many many sort of crisis management companies will say, say nothing. Nowadays, you know, they would say, get out in the front foot and hit it on the head and, you know, come out with the stats and get the charity there. And, you know, there's a lot more sort of ways they could have handled. It. They could have done a press conference with the, the hospital and whatever there and, and sat down with them and handed over the check and done something really sort of, you know, um, uh, visually remembering and something that would be endorsing of the hospital. They didn't milk it for that. They just stayed silent, but it unfortunately affected their their standing.
0: Thinking actually, I saw on the pages in Pedro's group, the um, in search of in excess, the collectors. He put a little thing out about why was there a decline with um, popularity and um, sale figures for after kick. And there's quite a few people's comments. A lot of people, I think there was over eighty um, comments there. So be good for us to have a little chat about some of those at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, we you know we as we, we're halfway through their career. You know, mm. in a way, um, in terms of sort of recording and things. And um, as I said, we are in this period where, you know, the decline, I guess, is from a commit. and remember, you've got to measure these things two ways. There's artistic and then there's commercial. Mm. Artistically, I think they're going through a rich vein of form and coming into a really great period of music. Commercially, well, yeah, it had declined on relative sales. I mean, welcome, I think,'s done four million sales. It's <laughs> it's not a bad result for an album, no. you know, especially compared to these days. But uh, as I said again, you know, it probably deserved the second album lift at the time, and uh, with all the sort of things going around them, you know, it, it didn't quite get the air or the oxygen that it probably deserved. So,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, I guess you know the way to sort of sum sort of this particular whole thing up is that you know what the media coined at the time—they suddenly started calling it the concert for life. They they dubbed it the uh, concert for strife. Well. Mm-hmm. I think what we're going to do today, B, and put it on the record, is that we're going to recoin it. We're going to steal it back
3: uh, from the
1: uh, uh, numbskull editors, and we're going to just rename it The Concert for Life and say, well done, yes, Uh, and the hospital, and I think there are many patients probably around the greater world now who benefited from the money Mm -hmm. raised, and all we can say, as I said, nothing's always perfect, there's to and fro whatever there, but We think that uh, we just want to remind people this was the concert for life.
0: Well done, Hayden. Put it right. Well, I've got some more musical fun facts for you guys. Okay, now starting off with In Excess. Their first name was The Ferris Brothers. Yes, we all know that very well. Okay, but let's go through some others. You too, they were called Feedback, unusual name. The Beach Boys, Peneltones. The Bee Gees, the Rattlesnakes. Blondie was first called Angel and the Snakes. Blur, we called Seymour. Black Sabbath, the polka toll blues band. Crowded House, we called the Mullanes. The Beatles, the Quarrymen. Joy Division, Warsaw. Oasis, the Rain. Did you know those? Tell us more if you know. Hey, this is David from Garby.
2: Hi, this is Katie from England.
1: You know, it's Paul from Sydney.
2: Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands.
1: This is Dr. Jim, and that's a wrap. Well, that's a wrap, Bee. Uh, very excited about your list there for Bee's fun musical facts. Although did I you have like one, that? yeah, you I have one more. No, what you got? Yeah, you got me going. So I did a bit of research <laughs> and found out that uh, Nickelback, oh, here we go, uh, our much-beloved Nickelback, uh, were originally called the Village Idiots. <laughs> um, <laughs> No way! Why any question? That's is? not well, right. Why did no? They were the village idiots, and I'm, I just want to know why did they change? <laughs> that's, right that's not true. Is no, that for real? Uh, it is. I'll I'll state I'll state the future of this podcast, and that's true.
0: No way. That is hilarious.
1: Okay. Yes. Now, family gauge speed.
0: I really enjoyed that episode. I learned. Oh, a lot. okay. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. this episode, not that episode. Thank yeah. you. That was really good. Thank you for all your research on that one. It was well,
1: lovely. Well, yeah, we we, we hope uh, we yeah. Again, we just hope that you know history, you know, and facts don't get in the way of of, of conjecture. Um, mm. As I said again, you know the, the merit of the concert gig, and 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 I think the experience in the day and everyone who went there like raved about it. But you know, again, it got a bit out of hand, and one you know, add you know, a bit like that. That movie Gremlins, add this, add that. Suddenly, there's a thousand running around, all saying something's wrong. When probably, in fact, it was nowhere near as bad as what was made
0: out. Well, I'm quite looking forward to hearing people's comments about this episode because I'm sure there were people there. I'm sure there were people that were probably reading about it in the newspapers and the tabloids. So yeah, I'd love to.
1: When we have Mark Opitz on in a couple of weeks' time for our Mm -hmm. welcome review, he was there. He was involved with some of the, I think, the mixing and stuff on the day. So Mm. we might sort of lean on him a little bit, just about you know his takeaway from the. Day because he would have been sort of uh, up front and center and nearby and having a, a uh, you know an eye sort of witness account for things, but you got to measure it and go the concert the day the acts the enjoyment the money raised the purpose the goal was achieved and then mm. you know a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff well you know um, again I think one detracted from the overall good. But I'll go back to you. Fan engagement. Can we? Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I I should have mentioned this at the beginning. You know that I'm working at the optometrist. I had a lovely lady come in um, and she'd broken her glasses. She ended up buying a really cool pair of sunnies. And we got talking about sunnies and Michael and da-da-da-da. So I want to say hi to Tess. I think she's listening. Hi. And I also want to say hello to Dr. Moon's husband, in the Netherlands, Carrie-Anne's doctor, her husband, is listening. He loves the show, so hi to him too.
1: <laughs> now, I know a lot of our listeners, if they've made it through the, the episode, they will probably wanting to have you read out where and how and what are people are consuming our podcast. Like, oh, where are yeah. they during the day? You had a little list there that you were I, eager, eager I to sort of expose some people. Look at right? this.
0: Look at this <laughs> for a list. Look at that.
1: Take it away. <laughs>
0: Okay, so the question was, how do you listen to us? What are you doing when you're listening to us? Okay, there's a few people that are driving. We've got Paul Jolie and Dr. Jim. They're driving along with yourself, Hayden, listening to us backwards and forwards from work. There's a lot of people just lying in bed, actually, <laughs> and I've said to move over. So Joe Rob- Robbins and Ella and Laurie and Charlene listening while lying in bed.
1: Sarah, can we out. Quick one. In the car the other day when I had it mm-hmm. on, and it had, uh, this is Ella, it's time for the news. <laughs> My daughter in the car who's named Ella goes, that's me.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, we've got to get Ella saying it now.
3: Right, that's <laughs> we'll it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll
0: see. Okay, and we've got um, Sarah Camia likes to cook while she's listening to us. Right. So that's nice. I hope we, uh, we're a bit of a spice to your uh, meal. Abigail likes to Dance to all the music that we put out. She loves us. So I'm just going to put a little bit. I've asked her what music, what songs she likes. I'm just going to do a little bit of music for Abigail now. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, Laurie, Laurie Bates, okay, she's painted her husband's office listening
1: to us. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, deepest red?
0: Mm, Yeah, maybe, maybe.
1: (laughs) Red, red sun colour?
0: No, we've not got one. We've okay. got two postmen in England doing the rounds, listening to the podcast. I love that. Yeah. Fantastic. We've got David Gaunt and Phil Morphew. Morf- now Phil's been Is really- David Gaunt a postman? Yes. yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. In derby. Um and I knew Phil-
1: we always delivered.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. And Phil Morphew, he's been emailing me some lovely um emails. So hi, Phil. Hi, Phil and Posty. Um, Who we got? We've got people that are working and laughing at us and calling us goofballs. Right. I don't know why. And that's Anne-Marie, Bart, Jimmy, Foxy, Joseph, Caroline. And then we've got a couple of crafters, which is Carmen and um, Mandy is sewing and crocheting while listening to us. And then I like this one. Her name's Janine. She just likes to take a hot bath. And listen to us, Hayden. Okay.
2: With okay. A glass of wine.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Well, wow. Hi. was Jenny. it? Janine, was it? Janine <laughs> we Jean. hope you are enjoying this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love songs and dedications. <laughs> All right. We'll straighten up. Right. Okay. okay. No worries. Well, there is an auction coming up, B. Now, I know you're working on this particular one and with Kirk being our uh, trifecta episode recently, uh, there is going to be some piece of memorabilia coming out with Kirk signing it personally to you. Yes. Not just a signature, Not to me, but something to them. personally to the <laughs> winner. To the so, winner. it will be a message uh, going out to you via uh, a particular uh, item. So, be uh, aware and looking at all of our social media platforms. Uh, we will announce that in the next sort of three to four days. Yes. Um, but we it will, will be ha- in
0: the newsletter, everybody. Yeah. So we get, will get ha- subscribed.
1: Correct. We will have it so that you uh, shall have something personally uh, addressed to you, uh, which will be great. Also, too, we are sort of commencing this sort of 1990 sort of two period there. Um, there might be the odd sort of detour here and there, but um uh, we are excited about uh, the Welcome album coming up very, very soon for reviews and deep dives. Uh, we are very excited about um, the little announcement we put on the radio, uh, well, sorry, on the episode last week about getting radio play for a certain song, B. Mm. Uh, we will uh, reveal more of that in the next week or two, but uh, yeah. we did get Kirk on board with a bit of a campaign to get INXS recharting uh, around this time next year. This time, get it? And uh, I guess today, but I thought it was something very, very exciting. You know, we are going to do a, a bit of an exit song out today, a bit of a tribute song, but uh, it's going to be the first time the world has ever really heard the song Tasted yes. uh, live. Uh, we thought that would be a bit of a treat for those who weren't at the concert for live, who uh, didn't see an excess live and hear that song to actually hear it in its purest form being played live for the very first time to a greater audience. Now, if you're adding in the Paddington RSL from the week before when they're warming up, please, you know what I'm saying, the big launch, okay? That was big a launch. bit of a private warm-up gig, okay? Mm-hmm. So all the geeks out there are going the to put up on that. one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, this is the big extravaganza to the world. So, yeah, we're going to go out with Taste It Today, B uh a lot of things. It's a goodbye from me.
0: And it's a goodbye from B. See you next week.
2: for you now. It's called Taste It. Before we do it i just say that uh well, I'll talk to you later. Let's just fucking play some music for a uh while.